Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, we've got a really special show. You know, it's rare that we have the same guest on our show twice in one year, but we really felt that this particular guest, his credentials are just so outstanding and his knowledge base is too. And the subject today is going to be GMOs. I know I have a problem finding information, but I'm sure he's he's got the pulse on it. And so our guest is Brendan Gochran. And he calls himself the liver medic. He's a molecular biologist, and he has his degree in that, also an MBA. He has 18 years in healthcare fields, nutraceuticals, medical devices, pharmaceutical. He lectures to audiences all over, and he's owned and operated three really successful supplement companies. So we're so privileged that he took out time to come Back to us. <laughs> Welcome, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. Thanks again. Yeah, it's just really very, very privileged. We are, we are. So, uh, what do you think about the GMO situation today? Oh boy, yeah. This is um, it's it's so interesting because this comes up so often. Um, our cro- our paths have crossed uh, almost every time I talk to someone because uh-huh. uh, it's such a prevalent issue, and people really don't have uh, enough knowledge about GMO technology. I think we just in this country got to the point where even understand what a, what GMO is, what the acronym is and how it's affecting them a little bit, a little bit. So Maybe. GMO obviously is, yeah, genetically modified organism. They also refer to it as genetic engineering or GE crops. Um, and there is a lot of misinformation out there, and it's done very, very purposefully. So, and you really can't get good scientific, honest, neutral information 
from any of the universities, it, and it's terrible, uh, or the scientists within our borders, within the U.S. So when somebody like myself uh, wants to study the impact of GMO foods, GE crops, on human beings and animals, um, you really have to venture outside of the U.S. and take a look at what um, science uh, is producing for studies down in South America and Europe to really get a good understanding of what's going on because um, the folks like uh, Monsanto and Dow Chemical were talking about an industry that is probably in the neighborhood of 600 to $650 billion industry, um, mm-hmm. spends a lot of money and focus trying to make sure Americans don't understand what's going on. So mm-hmm. um, that's a very difficult hurdle. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, it, it, it sort of to begin here, I would like the listeners to first make this connection. GMO or genetically modified organisms with fatty liver. That is the first and most primary connection. I want people, as soon as somebody says GMO, I want the second thought in their mind to be, ah, fatty liver disease, (laughs) because that's what it's doing. Okay. So um, there's a a couple of things to keep in mind when we're talking about genetically modified organisms. Uh, So for instance, if we look at Monsanto's of the world, they try to sell us Uh, this technology being a wonderful advancement for humanity. We're going to be able to make crops that are resistant to insects, resistant to um, uh, problems with uh, irrigation, you know, not getting enough water if we have droughts. It's drought resistant. Uh, And on top of that, we'll get massive yields, much higher than we do with regular conventional farming. Unfortunately, none of those things in independent neutral studies have been proven correct. As a matter of fact, they've all been proven quite the opposite. Um, but the other thing that they try to put out there uh, as, as uh, truth in, in defending what they're doing, and you'll even hear it from very prominent science, uh, scientists on you know, talk shows, those so, so-called experts that come on all the time, they'll say, well, we've been doing this since the time of Mendelssohn. And they're referring to you know, the, um, P, um, the, um, the, the P experiments where they're crossing heterogeneous uh, and homogeneous uh, plants, P plants, and what they're doing is they're selectively uh, producing P plants with different characteristics, different traits. That is not anything like this Frankenstein approach to science. Um, so that the, what Mendelssohn was doing was he was taking like species and, uh, and crossing them to get different characteristics out, essentially out of the same species. What we're doing with um, GMO crops and GMO foods is we are taking um, very small proteins uh, that um, end up um, giving the plant... Um, certain characteristics like being able to resist certain poisons, okay? And then we're splicing it typically with the um, uh, help of a bacteria or a virus, which also means sometimes the bacterial or viral DNA uh, and protein can get into the plant as well. 
and taking that and trying to splice it into a recipient crop. And if you do it correctly, hopefully the crop will stay alive and it will also carry this um, resistance for the pesticide, which means they can dump a ton of pesticide on this, on this plant now and it won't die. So that's what we're doing. And the result is a plant that has viral DNA, bacterial DNA, um, a piece of it that's resistant to a particular pesticide, and a lot of pesticides in it. <laughs> you can just imagine if they put a plant out in the field, and before, if you put too much pesticide on it, it would kill the plant. This is a mm-hmm. rather good thing. You don't want to be eating a plant that's been taking in uh, a lot of pesticide because it will concentrate it in the fruit and the, uh, and the vegetables that you'd be then consuming. Well, that's no longer the case. Now that plant can continue to grow, thrive, produce, and that vegetable and fruit is now on your plate. Thankfully, it, it now has uh, concentrated amounts of glyphosate and all of the other cocktail uh, chemicals that are in uh, typically Roundup or some other like product um, by Monsanto or Dow, uh, typically. So this is the real problem that we're having. So a lot of times when, when people end up uh, listening to the argument around GMOs, um, the one side will say, well, it promotes healthy growth. The, uh, on the flip side, the danger really is it's twofold. It's the, it's the change in the DNA of the plant, which we have no idea what the long-term effect is. If you're changing the DNA of the plant, likelihood is going to change your DNA, mitochondrial, your uh, DNA um, throughout your entire body. The, the other piece of it is that it contains such a high concentration of glyphosate and like chemicals that it's creating severe damage to your endocrine system, to the liver, to in particular microbes that are in um, our body, and that is creating leaky gut, um, which uh, is sort of the basis for our entire immune system. We can get into that in a little bit more detail. I don't want to sort of spin off into... um, you know, an area where we want to get too far um, mm-hmm. uh, down a road. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody knows that you get your, uh, the good friendly bacteria from mm-hmm. uh, birth and then you uh, promote it by eating healthy uh, and staying away from antibiotics if you can and re-inoculating yourself with probiotics. And that's how you maintain your health. A, I would say probably 80 to 85% of your immune system is actually located down in your gut. There's a reason correct. for that. It's the only, what's that? I said, that's very correct. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only, the primary layer of skin that directly interacts with the rest of the environment. I mean, you have your skin on the outside of your body, but you're not taking in nutrients through it. It's there. You can put oils on your skin and that's 75% transdermal. So yes, you do have to be uh, aware of that and protective of that. But the stuff that you ingest through your mouth, a lot of that's getting into your body, no doubt. So your immune system obviously has to be focused on that area of your body. Now we start taking in GMO pesticides. uh, And in particular, I was uh, referring to glyphosate, which we fortunately know quite a bit about because of the testing outside of the states, of course, uh, and they have found that glyphosate, once it's ingested in the body 
friendly bacteria, number one, opens pores within your gut. That's not only does it damage epithelial cells that make up the skin of your gut, but it also breaks down the anchor points that keep those cells nice and snug together, breaking open what they refer to as tight junctions. Those are the the channels uh, in between epithelial cells. So they open up these big fissures in your digestive tract, creating what we refer to as leaky gut, which enables all kinds of toxins into the body. And then what glyphosate does as a second benefit, um, it travels to the liver. And there are two phases in the liver, phase one, phase two. Phase one requires a lot of uh, cytochromes. Um, There's a whole family of cytochromes called uh, P450 cytochromes. And what they do is when they take a look at something that the body can't use, a.k.a. a toxin, it'll break it down into its constituent components. So it'll break apart the things that it can use remove them, and then send the other highly toxic stuff (laughs) to another part of the liver that's focused on phase two, which is called conjugation phase. And that actually takes a fat-soluble toxin and makes it water-soluble through a lot of different um, chemical processes. And then it can flush out of your body and you're good. You've gotten rid of it. And so you've kept the good stuff in phase one and you've removed the bad stuff in phase two. Well, what glyphosate does is it goes right in there and it starts to inhibit all of the necessary enzymes and cytochromes that are required to go through phase one and also some in phase two. So all in one shot, by taking in a GMO product, you've reduced the friendlies in your your, um, gut, you've opened up your gut to larger pores, leaky gut, You've increased the toxin load within your body, and you've decreased your body's ability to remove it from your system. And that is, is fueling the trends that we see in this country. Let's keep this all in perspective for, for a moment. When people say mm-hmm. non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, they're referring to uh, liver disease that is not caused by um, alcohol, uh, really, and virus. And they're not really talking about the virus. The non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is going off the charts in this country. And if I had a chart um, that could mirror the advent of GMO foods and the increase uh, of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you'd almost see a one-to-one corollary in the last 20 years. It's scary. And that's what we're that's what we're talking about. And the folks that are listening to this podcast are way ahead of the curve. Uh, if they understand this, uh, because I have a feeling within the next five to 10 years, GMO foods will probably be completely outlawed in this country. And we're really going to have to focus on companies like Monsanto and the health detriment that they've been creating in society in mass. Brendan, do you happen to know how long GMOs have been out? Yeah. So, the first GMO experiments were done um, in the mid-80s, and they started to become successful in the late 80s, early 90s. And I believe they were mass-produced or prepared for mass production in the early 90s to mid-90s. And then, of course, they just took off in the late 90s. So when we take a look at these charts, 
um, of GMO foods, whether it be soybean or rice or, uh, or corn, those were typically the first crops uh, that they ended up um, pushing to GMO, that and beets. Uh, so uh, those, by the time you get into the early 2000s, you're talking about uh, corn and soy having been a majority GMO. And mm-hmm. now, uh, at this point, we are talking about corn and soy probably being at 97 to 98% GMO, really hard to find organic corn and soy. Um, you kind of have to har- look pretty hard. Now, a lot of this stuff, I mean, here's the other trick to this. A lot of the, especially the corn, uh, is getting into uh, agri- um excuse me, not agriculture, uh, but the uh, uh, meat and, and poultry industry, because, of course, this is, this is feed for them. So chickens uh, and cows consuming GMO corn uh, and pigs, mm-hmm. um, and this is becoming a big problem. So now you've got studies, uh, and this can be very confusing for folks. You've got mm-hmm. studies going on that say, you know, eating too much uh, beef and pork and poultry is detrimental to your body, X, Y, and Z, and it's creating uh, cardiovascular issues and mental issues, uh, you know, detrimental to cognition and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so we're seeing those uh, things coming out. So, but they're looking at components, and there are components within um, the, uh, n- the nutritional uh, sort of metabolism of those animals that are not uh, beneficial for, for human consumption. Um, they're typically sugars that aren't found in the body and they're uh, become an allergen, natural allergen for the immune system and you end up reacting to those. And so they do become a cardiovascular issue. But far more, uh, a far larger problem <laughs> is this component, GMO pesticides and altered DNA from this GMO feed getting into the chicken, the cow, and the, and the uh, pig through their feed. Of course, this is not their natural feed stream, so that compounds the issue. So these are pretty unhealthy animals that at one time were producing some nice healthy fat, not littered with toxins, uh, and when we cooked it, we consumed that fat, medium-chain triglycerides in particular, that were beneficial and helped us in the creation of our cellular um, components. Every cell in our body requires fat, and our entire um, nervous system requires a ton of fat for insulation in the myelin sheath and so forth. So you can see why reducing fat in your body or increasing the amount of toxins that we now take in um, through uh, consuming these animals can create quite a, quite a problem and very confusing studies. Mm-mm-mm. My goodness. <laughs> not good news. I'm not, I'm not painting a pretty picture here, I can tell. But, you know, I think the good news is, uh, you know, podcasts like this where we're talking more about these issues and talking about not necessarily the uh, microbial genetics of GMO technology because that can, you know, eyes end up getting glazed over. You talk about mm-hmm. viral strands and bacterial strands. and I don't understand what you're talking about. Everybody right. knows what poison is. That's an mm-hmm. easy, understandable thing. And everybody mm-hmm. understands if the poison gets in the body and starts to damage the liver, that is something we want to stay away from. And mm-hmm. if we're consuming probiotics and we know that that is healthy and these things, when they go into the body, are destroying that, that's pretty clear cut. 
And I would say over, and it's happening very rapidly, uh, over 40 countries around the world have completely banned uh, GMO products. Uh, you know, we see um, places mm-hmm. like uh, China and India, if they uh, realize that there is GMO corn parked at the dock, they burn the entire thing. Um, mm. There are uh, European countries that have done, conducted their own studies And as soon as they found out the negative health impacts, they started to full-on burn their GMO crops and ban them from their country. So this is a tidal wave. And on top of that, Monsanto is losing in the court system. So when we go take a look at the judicial uh, reviews taking place in the EU, they are uh, coming up against this independent data, and they are losing. And so they are being sued left and right, which is one of the reasons I believe that they reached out to Bayer um, to try and help um, their financial position. Uh, because, of course, if you're talking about pharmaceutical companies that know a lot about um, uh, attorneys and being litigious, mm-hmm, <laughs> it would be mm-hmm. Bayer. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they partnered with these guys. Now we have sort of a, a larger problem there, Goliath. But the more we educate folks about the dangers of GMOs, the better. So, and you're uh, playing a very important role in this. Well, you know, it's it's all uh, complex. Uh, I believe that um, I want to take a step back and ask you, in the process of them actually making these uh, GMO products. You talked earlier about how um, they splice them with bacteria um, and that, uh, so then the DNA plant, uh, the DNA gets into the plant, which then, of course, is, Mm -hmm. is the actual crop. And then my question is, when you talked about how it carries resistance um, to pesticides and that, yes. and that the plant itself ends up being uh, resistant to pesticides, but, but then it also has the DNA of pesticides in it all at the same time? Not necessarily, no. Um, and I'm glad you pointed this out because I don't I want this to be a, a point of confusion. So right. uh, very accurate in the beginning of this, very accurate. So um, in when we study immunology, we know that viruses are very successful because what they, they don't have the ability to replicate on their own, but they, um, they go into the body and they use our own mechanism um, for replication. They go into the cell they identify a, um, our own metabolism for replication, and they use us to replicate and multiply virus. It's, very, it's an interesting relationship we have with viruses, and this is how they proliferate. Well, if the uh, agricultural industry has been able to take this virus and load it with a strand that um, essentially enables the plant to be resistant to uh, let's say, uh, in this case, um, Roundup and all the chemicals within Roundup. It's, it's, a, um, uh, it's, it's uh, like, an, like an amino uh, base like 
you know, your base aminos like GTAC, you know, those, you know, the base for DNA, if they will go ahead and they will code um, a piece or a strand, it's typically a protein that will make the uh, re- receptor plant um, resistant to uh, extreme amounts of the pesticide. Now, the only way that they can load this into the recipient seed or DNA is by putting it uh, in conjunction with a virus and allowing the virus to do what a virus naturally does, which is uh, go in, uh, identify the recipient strand, find a way to uh, inject itself into the recipient strand in such a way that it doesn't kill the plant and uh, enables the protein to be replicated. So this, it's kind of impossible not to also have viral uh, what they call virons or viral proteins in with this uh, plant uh, along with the recipient's DNA and the protein that codes for uh, the resistance to uh, Roundup, glyphosate, you, you know, whatever they're going to be dousing this plant with. So at that point, the plant grows and no matter how much of the uh, chemical you throw on it, it's going to be resistant. It's going to uh, be able to uh, live, grow. And uh, because the soil is essentially soaked with this chemical, nothing can grow. So it has no competition. So mm. this is one of the reasons why they say, well, it has, um, you know, it has the benefit of 20% or 30% higher yield, which actually is not true because what ends up happening is a year or two down the road, the soil is so contaminated with toxins. Uh, and so reduced in its nutrient mineral content as a result of these toxins that it has a hard time growing crops anywhere near their potential. And so, yeah, the, the plant itself, let's say if this is a corn plant, yeah, the corn plant's not competing with anything, but it's drawing from a soil that is completely malnourished and full of toxins. It doesn't grow very well at all. Uh, and farmers are starting to recognize this. Unfortunately, they're starting to recognize it after they've destroyed their land. Um, so oh. the topsoil is compromised. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. We get the most phone call. We always know when the farmers are throwing pesticides out on, their, on the farmland, especially in the Midwest, because we get a lot of phone calls um, from farmers with what they refer to as farmer's lung. Now, if, if anybody has ever heard of this term before, this is, you know, these guys, they feed their family organic food because they know what they're putting on their crops. Mm-hmm. They go out and they are in full body hazmat suits applying this Roundup stuff to their crops. Even with all of the protections and, and all of the precautions, all the prophylactics, they still have um, a, even a small amount, trace amounts of glyphosate. They get, it gets into their body. It in particular makes it very difficult for them to breathe. It compromises their health. They have all kinds of um, sores on their body, typically. Uh, and, of course, their liver enzymes get uh, extremely elevated, and they have to take something to offset that, the damage. So that's farmer's lung. Uh, and, you know, I think that sort of tells the tale and why we should probably be staying away from this stuff. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and I know I'm... that before... You know, when we were, and I, and I hope I'm not um, redirecting this conversation uh, into an area. Oh, no, no. Maybe we no, should. No, no. Okay. So you and I were talking before the program began. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know Monsanto. I think a lot of people are pretty well educated on 
the history of Monsanto. They were the ones that came out with Agent Orange. The chemical uh, Roundup contains uh, chemicals in there that are ex- very, very close uh, from a organic chemistry perspective to the things that were being used in um, Agent Orange. I think there were three different chemicals used in Agent Orange. Uh, Monsanto's Roundup has two of them that are almost identical. So um, these are these are really bad chemicals. We know mm-hmm. this. We did this in Vietnam. There's not that much of a difference between what we're doing there and here. And I'm telling you, if I had another pro-Monsanto scientist on the line with me, he would he or she would refute this, I'm sure. Um, but the other part of this is, uh, you know, we've just recently been rocked by um, two hurricanes, one of them Harvey's down there in the Houston area. Well, of course, when you get a deluge like this, you have a lot of stagnant water. And what do you have when you get stagnant water? Well, oftentimes you will have a, uh, an increase in um, mosquito population, which can create mm-hmm. its own set of problems. I, to- I totally understand that. Well, the population in Texas and in those surrounding areas, they didn't get an opportunity to vote on this. The, I don't know if it's the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, but it's the EPA along with the Air Force that have decided to um, buy in and buy a lot of uh, this pesticide called NAILED, uh, N-I-L-E-D. It's a very toxic pesticide, extremely toxic. Uh, and they are, have gone out and gotten military uh, airplanes to essentially crop dust cities with this nailed pesticide uh, and they're going to be covering about 6 million acres of uh, Texas to what they say, try to control the mosquito population. Uh, mm. And this is, this is dangerous on many, many levels. And I don't think a whole lot of people know about this. And when they look up no. in the sky and they see these airplanes rolling through, mm-hmm. they're not going to know what they're doing. They are laying down pesticide on top of you and into what will eventually be drinking water. Very difficult to get this stuff out of drinking water. And we can talk about all the downstream negative effects once it goes into the ocean and it's negatively affecting fish and wildlife Mm. and that's getting on our plate and so forth. So um, there are ramifications. We don't, you know, we don't live, um, you know, in isolation uh, and whatever we put out there onto the crops eventually gets into the water table, gets into our drinking water too. And so, you know, there's a lot of discussion in the organic uh, chat rooms and uh, forums about, look, you know, it's great that we're doing this um, organic farming and so forth, but the amount of glyphosate getting into the environment just in general, not, not in, we're not even talking about GMO crops because because Roundup is used by, um, you know, your neighbors um, throwing it down on the lawn to try and mm-hmm. uh, help contain weeds. It's a weed killer mm-hmm. oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is being used uh, in parks and in playgrounds. Um, so it's, it's being purchased by cities and towns. Um, so Monsanto has become extremely successful at promoting this, getting it out uh, and unfortunately on a lot of land. And I think that the more we know, I mean, we should be contacting city hall and town hall and trying to figure out, um, is this something that we use uh, mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. own playscapes? 
because our kids mm-hmm. are out there, and it's negatively right. affecting the water table as well. Did they have a timetable on when they're going to start spraying in Texas? I don't. That's a great question. You know, um, I just read about it, believe it or not, a couple of hours before jumping on with you. Um, sometimes I'll get uh, little alerts from uh, Food Babe. I know there's probably a few people out there that, that know who she is. And um, she was the one that sort of first uh, pulled up the, the red alert on this. So um, what I was appreciate she called? the food, information. Food what? Food, food what? Babe. Food oh, okay. Babe. <laughs> yeah. Food so Babe. She's kind of, yeah, she's, she's sort of popular. She's, she has, um, she's made it into more or less the mainstream. Boy, she, I'm sure she bothers the mainstream no end. But she was the one who called out uh, Subway for putting um, basically plasticizers in their Subway uh, subs. And uh, oh. Subway had to back off of that, and they got into a lot of trouble. And so she <laughs> she gained a lot of publicity as a result of that. But she calls them she calls them like she sees them. She uh, she does she a lot on YouTube? for um, trying to. Is she on YouTube? She's or... on YouTube. Yep. Okay. Yep. And she has a strong following on uh, on Facebook as well. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Food bit. Good resource. <laughs> Well, now that so, now that we've gotten this amazing education about GMOs, what do you do? In other words, yeah, what do you do really for uh, for getting some of this stuff out of your system? How do you source your foods now? Yeah, that's the critical, the, definitely the critical questions. Um, I and that's one of the big reasons why um, we need to you know, really push the organic movement. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I talk to people and they say, well, you're not even sure if when you buy organic, it's really organic. It could be GMO. And yes, that's true, but you're never going to buy a GMO food and find it to be organic. So mm-hmm. yes, you might be getting some GMO food when you buy organic and Whole Foods has been caught uh, doing this a few times. So they're, they're no, um, I'm no fan of, of Whole Foods by any means. Um, but you know, who's really good at this uh, are co-ops, food co-ops. They yes. are excellent at this because they essentially have people who are internal advocates. These are not people, you know, checking into a nine-to-five job and checking out. These are people who live, breathe, and eat this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's one of the reasons why they're working there. And so I would say food co-ops are probably the best um, identifying and sourcing clean foods, clean organic foods that don't have um, GMOs in there. Um, mm-hmm. There is the GMO um, project, of course, and that um, carries with it the little logo that sometimes people, uh, when they go out shopping, uh, have a tendency to look for. And that sort of guarantees mm-hmm. that there are no GMO um, either foods or pesticides in the things that they are buying. Uh, the other thing that I would um, strongly uh, advocate for is making sure that you're sort of constantly um, taking in uh, beneficial bacteria, uh, so probiotics, and that can be fermented foods. Uh, that can be the probiotics in a supplement form. That's fine. Yogurts, provided that they're, they themselves are also free of, uh, of, of milk coming from an animal that was consuming a mm-hmm. GMO corn or soy or something like that. So this is really a supply Boy, chain issue. Yeah, it is. It really yep. is. Uh, and some of the other things that people should be doing is I'm all, I always advocate that people take a liver cleansing supplement or 
liver cleansing teas. Your liver is really your safeguard. Uh, it is the most complex organ in the body aside from the brain. And, you know, we're talking about other, you know, 500 uh, plus chemical reactions that take place there. And the major uh, organ, the major defense uh, in the removal of toxins and things that your body doesn't need, can't use, and are detrimental, uh, cause aging, um, damage DNA, negatively impact the endocrine system. That's basically the job of the liver. It's definitely an unsung hero. Uh, but if you can keep your liver clean, you're in really good shape. You'll be able to identify these toxins once they enter. And what is that hmm? supplement? What is that supplement? That, uh, so, that... yeah, I mean, we, we make a supplement called hepatobin, and that does a very good job. But essentially, hepatobin contains a lot of the ingredients that you would be looking for in either teas or other supplements. That would be your milk thistle, the active being the psilocybin, so sometimes it says psilocybin, phosphatidylcholine, which is an excellent uh, polyphenol. Polyphenols are your friends. That is essentially fruits and vegetables that have colors in them. Any fruits and vegetables that have a color in them, uh, that is a polyphenol, and you should be eating it in very high doses. Um, you can get it from wheatgrass. You can, you can get it from uh, green algae, red algae. Um, you can uh, get um, NA, NAC, and acetylcholine, uh, mm -hmm. and acetylcysteine, uh, MSM. Um, and, of course, these things, all these ingredients that uh, I'm telling the listeners about, they also have other beneficial uh, impacts. They, there might be a few people who recognize those in supplements that they take for um, reducing inflammation. Uh, reducing joint pain, uh, for helping with uh, trying to avoid cognitive issues as we age. And there's a reason mm. for that. It's because they're removing mm -hmm. toxins. They're removing free radicals that damage cell membranes and DNA and can cross uh, the blood-brain barrier and get uh, in between axon clefts and create all kinds of havoc in there. So these are good to have regardless of whether you believe me or not on GMO dangers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, can you spell the name of the product that, that you have? Oh, hepatobin? Yep, it's H-E-P-A-T-I-B-E-N. Mm -hmm. and, and does that have a lot of to... the ingredients that you were just talking about? Yes. Yeah. And okay. we've gone out and we have, we've talked to the naturopaths and we've looked at the literature and these ingredients work synergistically with each other. So they speed up each other's activities and they're in the proper forms, which unfortunately isn't always the case. Uh, and it's kind of a two tiered um, sort of attack where mm -hmm. it's at one point it is helping the uh, gut lining repair itself and it is also speeding up that phase two detoxification phase within the liver. So that's why it's uh, effective. Mm, sounds pretty important to me. So you would take yeah, this well, along with probiotics probably. Right, right. Well, when folks get farmer's lung, it's it's the thing that they reach for and we're we're happy that, uh, you know, to make it available. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I'll be darned. Huh. 
I'll be darned. Okay. So, so and of um, course, this has a negative effect, uh, you know, like when when we're talking to people and they, maybe some of the listeners are saying, well, I don't have liver issues and I go out to eat and I don't always eat organic and it doesn't seem to be negatively affecting me. Well, um, perhaps there's, you know, there's uh, some additional weight that you've been having a great deal of mm-hmm. difficulty trying to get rid of. We've seen yes. the obesity trends in this country going off the charts. Yes. What is that? What is the connection? What is the connection with GMOs? Is there any connection? Well, there's been a number of studies that show the following. So the way the liver operates is if it gets overwhelmed with these toxins and we are not removing these toxins fast enough, the liver plays a little, it has a a last sort of trick up its sleeve and it creates a fat cell in order to store these fat soluble toxins. And it says, okay, we're going to store this in liver. We're also going to store this in other parts of the body. So uh, when we get the proper ingredients to get into that detox phase, we'll pull that stuff back in, we'll get rid of it and excrete it out of the body. But for right now, it cannot be roaming around the body because it's going to damage the body. So it's, it's a very, uh, in, you know, our bodies are a very intelligent organism that way. But mm-hmm. what happens is we continue to have leaky gut issues. We continue to eat poorly. We consume the GMO. We consume the glyphosate and all the other pesticides that are in Roundup and so forth. So we increase the tighter count of toxins. And the liver continues to say, I don't have enough. I'm going to create fat cells. Well, how do you get rid of the fat cells now? So that's where this obesity epidemic is coming from. Yes, it is certainly coming from the increased amounts of sugar that we're taking in, no doubt, Mm -hmm. increased amounts Mm -hmm. of um, fructose, the increased amounts of synthetic sugars. I agree with all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. One of the things that does not get discussed often enough is the toxin load within the body. And you can test for this in the following way. Go on a diet, get into a ketogenic state, drop the weight, then go back to a normal diet. What ends up happening? You end up gaining back five to eight pounds or a certain percentage of whatever you lost. That's what we refer to in the medical community as the toxic bump. So what is happening? So the liver is starved from, uh, from fat because you're, excuse me, it's, it's, um, it's uh, when you are on typically uh, when you're on a ketogenic diet, you are getting a large amount of fat. So you are not getting sugar and carbohydrates. So that promotes fat metabolism. Now the liver can go after uh, the um, fat cells that it was uh, previously storing toxins. It goes after that as a food or an energy source, elevating toxic, uh, toxic levels within the body. They're roaming all over the body and so forth. Um, what ends up happening is... Once you get off of that and you get back to a a normal diet, those toxins are still roaming around the body and um, they will try to uh, recapture them and put them into fat cells. And this also uh, works if you're on a uh, fat-free diet. Of course, it's it's more prevalent because now the only thing it has are uh, fat uh, because you're starving, again, of of sugar and carbohydrates. Uh, and it uses up the fat even quicker. So you'll drop weight even faster. But then, of course, you'll go back to a normal diet and it will try to promote that fat, uh, you know, multiplying those fat cells in order to store the toxins. So, again, if you don't get rid of them, your body will um, once again resort to a defense me- mechanism by storing uh, those toxins in the fat. And that's the, that's the, the um, toxic fat bump. 
I'll be darned. So not only are the toxins in the liver, but they're also in the fat cells in the body. That's where they're stored. Yeah, and it really depends on, this is where the genetics uh, comes in. The genetic component uh, of where the toxins are stored, where these fat cells are stored, really depends on um, your your, the genetics that you've inherited. So there are individuals who have fatty liver disease that look like, you know, um, uh, you know, poles, <laughs> very thin, okay. uh, not obese folks. Right. But their liver is, uh, has a very high concentration of fat cells. Their DNA is telling them not side of the liver. And then there are oh. other individuals. That, yep. And then there are other individuals that they're predisposed to having the fat cells stored in the hips, the buttocks, uh, around, around the belly is very prevalent. Uh, and so they'll have that high concentration within the liver and in other areas. And it's very difficult to get rid of and very frustrating for folks to try and get rid of as well. So how do they get rid of it by cleaning the liver? Um, yeah, you have to go through a, a liver cleanse. Uh, it's essentially, you know, you really have to focus, um, your efforts, uh, on taking in ingredients that push that phase two conjugation. Uh, and would, and you, would that product of yours do that? Yeah, the, yeah, the hepatobin is designed for that. Um, okay. you know, I, sometimes I, I sort of wish that we had, you know, named the company not Liver Medic but GI Medic and Liver Medic because a lot of this stuff comes right back to the GI tract. Almost all the diseases mm-hmm. that we commonly hear about mm-hmm. nowadays are all related to the health and well-being of, of the digestive tract. That's um, very so true. It really is a complement. Yeah. So. Um, we have to make sure that the, um, you know, I, I refer to the GI tract as sort of the castle. If the castle walls are being brought down uh, and you have leaky gut, you can clean out the liver and you can be healthy for a moment in time. Um, but if you still have leaky gut, it's just going to continue to uh, be a problem for you. And you'll have the, the toxins once again in the liver and you'll have to go through the process again. So it's really important that you sort of attack both of these things clean out the liver, and get your uh, microbiome, your bacteria, your friendly bacteria back in your gut uh, as quickly as possible. And those, those folks out there who are uh, continuing to sort of avoid organic, and I get it, sometimes it's expensive, mm-hmm. and consume GMOs, uh, they end up with things like um, having difficulty sleeping at night, they have GERD, they have acid reflux, uh, their doctor says, this is not a big deal, we'll put you on the purple pill. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, you then later on you have ulcers or you, you take care of uh, some of the pain by taking NSAIDs, the non-steroidal mm-hmm. anti-inflammatory drugs. And then, of course, that promotes cardiovascular issues. So now they're going to put you on statin drugs, which reduces <laughs> the fat <laughs> content in your, in your body. And now you have oh. cognitive issues because if you don't have fat in your body, you immediately have a problem repairing your nervous system, which can create problems with memory loss. So you can see where this domino effect. And, you know, I'm no genius by any means. Doctors, I a good fair percentage of doctors out there know this stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. because it is so profitable for the pharmaceutical industry and because they can get you cradle, they have no interest whatsoever in solving these problems, which by the way, can be solved through nature, not drugs. There's mm-hmm. no uh, reason to go that route at all. So, um, and I know there's a the big talk right now going to a, you know, singer, single, single, 
uh, payer. payer option within this mm-hmm. country. And yeah, and I'm, I won't get into the politics of it, um, yeah. but you have to eliminate the uh, profit motive for both doctors and hospitals and pharmaceutical companies if you're going to have any system that actually promotes health and prophylactic uh, advancements. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be spending a lot of money and people are going to be um, living not very, very nice lives uh, at the end. Might be long, but they're not, uh, they're not um, livable lives, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my god. The goodness. quality is, is pretty dim. Oh, gosh. Well, so it's been a here's a couple of here's a couple deal. of yeah I know I I my wife always tells me she's like you know the first forty five minutes of your talks are really doom and gloom <laughs> and so I, I I do I do want to say if if you are consuming um, you know phytonutrient high phytonutrient um, fruits and vegetables you know this is things like um, spinach and blueberries. And, you know, the array of, uh, of bell peppers and mm-hmm. uh, parsley uh, and you're taking milk thistle and, you know, you're, you're doing either teas or liver cleanse, you know, like a product like hepatobin. Uh, if, you're, if you're covering your bases there and you're doing like very simple things like the first thing in the morning, and I think I've talk, talked about this in the last show, you know, a, a big glass of water with a little bit of lemon in it, actually that has, uh, it signals the liver to drop the bile that contains all of the nasty toxins that have been mm-hmm. removed because your, your liver is most active at night. Drop it into the gallbladder, it flushes the gallbladder, then it goes uh, and um, redirects right into the small intestine, which feeds beneficial bacteria, uh, can knock down any dysbiosis that's taking place, um, really not a friendly environment for candida, so it helps a little bit with candida overgrowth. So that's a very simple thing. A little bit of it is. water in the morning, you know? Yeah, I it do it. It doesn't cost I anything, you know? Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. No, I do that. I have a lemon tree, so it makes it really easy. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Good for you. Is that great? Excellent. Is that great? Yeah. yeah, it's really great. So these, now, I just have a question on, on on your product. Is that something that, that is recommended it be taken every day, or is that just strictly for, for a flush? You just take it for a month yeah. or two? What? Which? Uh, it, so... Uh, I'm oftentimes on the road, and as, so in my house, of course, I eat very clean. Um, mm-hmm. When I'm on the road, I, I typically take two hepatobin at night. Uh, we have folks that are also road warriors, and they take it pretty much 12 months out of the year. Then we have individuals who have been diagnosed with an issue, uh, either fatty liver disease or fibrosis or something more advanced, and they'll take the full dose, which is you know four capsules uh, per day. Uh, and then there's folks that, you know, they're at home, uh, but they just want to be uh, clean and healthy. And, you know, then maybe they'll end up taking it um, two, three, four times during the year. Um, you need to sort of incorporate this as a regular healthy maintenance regimen. It doesn't need okay. to be every single day, but um, it should be with some regularity because the toxins are everywhere. And you have to mm-hmm. make sure that the liver is clean. Absolutely. So if you have so for our listeners, if, if they want to do this, and of course, you know, neither one of us are physicians, so they need to check with their doctors. But absolutely. Um, thing is, is um, if they just want to start out with it, 
they don't know that they have fatty liver. They don't know any of that, but chances are they probably have some form of toxins in their system if they haven't been eating all organic or whatever. Um, right. What would they, what would they, how much would they take? Yeah. Just for out. those individuals. Yeah. I would probably take half the suggested dose, take two of the capsules at night uh, in a 60 count bottle. We'll get them through a month. And that's a pretty good uh, way to get healthy fairly quickly. You got to remember that this is designed for individuals who are um, highly toxic, so it's extremely effective. Um, mm-hmm. People don't have to worry about necessarily taking too much of it because it's all water soluble. We've done that on purpose. We clearly don't want to create a, a problem for folks who already have um, some level of toxicity in their okay. system. So, um, and that's typically what what a physician would recommend. So half a half of a um, suggested dosage for thirty to sixty days, something like that. Yes, yes, exactly. And a lot of people end up um, choosing uh, what we refer to as the gut health system, because there are a lot of folks that have uh, cravings, um, sugar cravings, carb cravings, yeah. and that's uh-huh. generally driven uh, by candida. Uh, when they get into an right. overgrowth, uh, they become right. somewhat dangerous. And then there's biofilm. So. The gut health system has the hepatobin for cleaning out the liver and repairing the gut uh, and also has candida complex to help uh, bring down candida overgrowth and protect uh, from parasites. And the serapeptase gets rid of scar tissue uh, and removes biofilm. All of the, once you, that, that regimen pretty much addresses 95% of the deleterious or negative stuff taking place in the GI tract. And we've heard from physicians that say, look, uh, I've had some patients with dysbiosis, which means bacterial uh, imbalance or H. pylori or C. diff or, um, you know, it has ulcers or whatever. Mm. And they put them on a regimen along with this, and it really helps to speed up the healing. So we're happy with the results so far. Yeah. Well, Brendan Gawkin, it's been wonderful. Um, why don't you give oh, our listeners your, your website, Gochran? Yeah, it's, um, yep, it's livermedic.com, uh, and there's great. a lot of articles out there, and we have a doctor's corner, so if anybody wants to, uh, you know, if they're suffering from insomnia and they want to read a white paper, you can go right ahead. So that's always helpful for folks. <laughs> great, 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 great. Well, thank you so much And they again. can send us. Yeah, they can send us some information directly, and we'll respond to their emails if they want some more information on GMO uh, foods and what to avoid and, and those kinds of things. We'll send them out wonderful. a pamphlet on that. Wonderful. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, Thank and you. you're Thank doing you. some wonderful work. Well, you really are, too. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll do it take together. Care. All right. Take yeah. care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, listeners, that wraps up our show for today. Please tune in again next Wednesday. We're going to have another fabulous guest for you. And um, be healthy and be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa 
at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? The entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guest. The information is not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional, and it's not intended as medical advice. We're simply sharing knowledge and information from our guest and the experience of Denise and her community of people. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.